0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. On today's program is one of my first radio interviews done in 1992 with Lamar Fike, a member of Elvis' inner circle. Let's get into it.
1: I'm sitting here with Lamar Fike, and uh, he's gracious enough to tell us some of his memories of his friend Elvis and I really appreciate you coming on Mystery Train. Hey, glad to do it, man. Let's tell. Rock. <laughs> All right, let's rock. Uh, tell us how you first uh, met Elvis. Met him actually in '54. Sam Phillips introduced him to him. Uh, got to know him very well after that. And then '55, Cliff Blythe and I were living together at the YMCA, and I used to go over to his house, and we just got to be friends, you know. And uh, then in '56, I started traveling with him, and I, then he moved out. He went out to L.A. to do, to do his Third picture, second picture. and he, I went out when he started during Loving You, and then on out I was with him. You know, stayed with him. I was with him for 23 years, and actually. I'll do it. I ran his publishing companies and was back and forth and I lived in Nashville. You know, things sort of one of those, one of those perennial relationships. You know. How did Elvis approach you? Did he just say, Lamar, I want you to come on the road with me? Or I want we you to work with me. Shot at me. You know, it's one of. Those, no, no, no. <laughs> i just said you know he said hey you know he said what have you been doing i said nothing he said why don't you just start traveling with me I said, sounds good to me you know when you're young and you don't you're carefree it's just one of those gigs you said, let's just try and see how it works mm-hmm. and we had a lot of fun together you know we we're just like kind of like brothers we grew up like brothers mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun what was it that, uh uh for you just coming into this this world with elvis presley all of a sudden uh you know it just became very normal it was to me you know i was like i think was like 19 or 20 i'd i've been in the business since i was 14 years old i'm 58 now so i've done the business practically all my life and it was just another extension of something else and as a consequence you know you just go ahead and and you do what you think is normal and to me it's always been normal i've never known anything else but but you know it obviously it became forest for the trees you had to step back and take a look at the inside from the outside so you know it um At the time I was doing, it's just very normal, you know. Of course, now since then, it's become abnormal, so, you know, and the historical part of it is that, you know, now it is, the histrionics of it now is just what it is, it's, uh, you know, just, you know, the legendary proportions, well, you know, now he's become the greatest icon of the 20th century. So, you know, it's like, it's like one of those situations where you just go, okay, you know. And if you don't get objective, if you don't stay objective about it, it'll push you through the wall. So I just stay real objective about it. Hi, this is Cliff Leaves. Yeah, you're rocking and rolling with the incredible Donnell.
0: Here, Red West talks about an incident with Elvis and Lamar Fike in Vegas. As you will hear, I asked Red to tell me some uh, memories that he had of Elvis and himself in Vegas. A little piece on uh, Las Vegas. Uh, uh,
2: later on in the show today, can you think of anything that funny might have happened out in Vegas? Well, yeah, well, Lamar bike. Was, uh, Elvis had to uh, Winnebago. We were driving back and forth from LA to, to Las Vegas. And one morning we got up early and Lamar was. I was a funny guy, about 300 pounds. He was, was going to drive it, drive to Winnebago. He said, well, your friendly, courteous driver expects our ETA to be so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And, uh, he got in the bus and he stopped by the Sahara Hotel, something, Colonel Parker. And we're all in the bus, in the Winnebago, and he pulls the Sahara. And the bus is uh, 14-something behind. high, and they overhanging the Sahara, is 13-something took the, uh, <laughs> the top of the bagel off and that was sitting right underneath where the air comes in and all the paint on the So the came right down on his head. He just sat there, remember the cartoon where I guess hit the face of the paint. And all you see was his eyes and the white face. and just, That turned into something really funny.
1: You did a good job of it, you i'm sure elvis you know he got to go by it well later on it is at the time <laughs> he was mad at a hornet so, you know. now yeah. it's funny back then it was but you know they read and richard they said somebody had run out of gas in the desert That's uh, what, yeah ran out of gas hadn't looked around it was a bunch of skulls you know it's kind of weird you know yeah, well, uh, they were wondering exactly how, how did you get a get a hold of gas out in the desert i walked across the road got a car uh big guy picked me up went down and got the fuel and brought the, fuel truck a truckload of fuel from from the service station owner we filled it up and and uh i got back in the uh i got back in the motorhome we drove the damn thing to la mm-hmm. and once we got it to la you know it's like uh it was all right you know i just i just you know i misjudged the height that's what i did so. elvis 70. i know you had nicknames for everybody what was your nickname from elvis oh, everything from birdie to uh was the bird legs one no it was he always thought it looked like an owl you know so he would say call me birdie or or the great speckled bird and stuff like you know he just he just you know whatever you know he's just one of the lemoine stuff like that he just we always came up with odd names for each other we used to call him guppy or crazy or something like that one of those kind of things yeah richard Davis said he'd even cheated yahtzee he said elvis you can't cheat at Yahtzee, but he'd well, do it. he was just, <laughs> Alice just had this morbid fear of losing things, you know. It was funny. And of course, there'd be times like you and Elvis with, uh all the guys together, you know, you would just be like punching bags for each other, just joking around, isn't that right? Or, you know, yeah, I would say that'd be a good term. Punching bags. <laughs> to bang each other around a lot, you know. It was really just kind of, you know, just just roughhousing, you know, that's what it was. When you're kids, you're roughhousing, same thing, we were doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. I guess the tension itself was relieved by doing it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that was a that was a fun time. You look back on that fondly too. Yeah, I guess you know, going cross country. You now you could all just kind of get claustrophobic after a while. And oh, say, well, the claustrophobia part of it was continual. Mm-hmm. You'd change It never changed. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, is there any? funny instances that you can remember. I mean, not necessarily a story, but something that just might have tickled you or something about Elvis. You know, there are more funny stuff, I guess, than serious stuff, but I can't think of anyone tickling instance. Elvis himself is a very funny person. The only time Elvis was funny is when he was serious, you know, so. mm-hmm. When he tried to be funny, he wasn't funny at all. That was, you know, if I sound like that I, I'm being abstract, I'm not trying to be. It's just one of those things again, you know? Uh, there was also, like, wasn't there a threat on Elvis's life in, uh, at the International Hotel one time? I'm uh, sure. Was. And, you know, do you remember the instances of what occurred about that time? Well, it just, you know, they had a a threat on his life. It was on a continual basis. This got pretty serious, and we had, F- we had FBI people there and sharpshooters, and we had to roll the lights up in the room a little brighter, and... He was a little nervous, you know. I think Elvis stayed constipated for a week or something, I don't know, It's just one of those things where he really got very, very nervous. And, you know, you you didn't know if anybody was gonna shoot or not, and so everybody gets on guard, you know, it didn't happen, but, you know, it, it makes you awful nervous, because you go out on stage, you're pretty vulnerable, you know. It's like, bang, bang, you know. So sorry, Elvis, Elvis was pretty uh, upset about that and so forth? I owe oh, care of himself, care of Well, he told Richard Davis he said he was going to move a lot on that stage that night because it's hard to hit a moving target. That's exactly right. The show the show was pretty quick, very quick, in fact.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, he must have got hairy sometimes during security for Elvis. Got hairy a lot of times. People want to touch you. When people want to touch you, it's okay, but not forty five, fifty thousand 50,000 people at once. And sometimes they get kind of rough and really try to tear them apart. Well, or... they didn't mean to be rough. It was just one of those things, you know, that, uh... Uh... They just, it's. I think it's affection is a very strange thing. A lot of people want to just touch and shake the hand. Well, it gets busy, you know, <laughs> it's it very busy. You know? Yeah, I've heard stories about you know, people are clasping Elvis's hands, and sometimes you know, they, they just cut him. Well, and they wouldn't, wouldn't let loose, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really. People are funny about that. Is that why he wore the band-aids on his fingers a lot? Well, yeah, because it keeps his rings from cutting him any worse than they were, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Elvis would be surprised by the continuing of the fans coming to see him so many years after his death? Well, you know, I guess he would be, you know. I keep telling him to come back every Easter and put a cameras up. He might roll the grave back, you know. Roll the stone back, so to speak, you know. So, so uh, when Elvis was alive, though, did he usually did he ever say anything about uh, the fans, about you couldn't believe that the uh, no i think yeah, to him it was very very normal you have to understand this is a guy who grew up in the business literally from 18 years old up and so it was like it was just part of his everyday nature you know he uh so as a consequence he built his own world so he could stay within a buffer zone so that's the way it was with him he was two different people I and mean, what you saw outside of the buffer zone was elvis but inside the buffer zone he was another person You know, so i mean we saw what it was really like and he was a good person but i mean you know he just He was like a person who really, uh, he kept such a buffer between him and his fans that things were just really one way or the other, you know. know, He never did interviews with like Carson or anybody like that. It was his own gig, you know. You worked a lot in the music and and so forth. What was it about Elvis when he would go into the uh, studio to record? Would would he just go for demos? Well, we had, you know, we had writers who specifically wrote for him, you know, Doc Palmas and Mort Schumann and, and, uh, you know, Otis Blackwell and these people. And they would write songs for him. They would just be right down his throat, you know, and we would go through the songs and pick them out. I had writers in Nashville that wrote songs and uh, like Eddie Rabbit and these people and we would take them straight to him. So as a consequence, he didn't really have to look and Elvis and I would go through the selection and find what we thought was correct and uh, it worked. Way, you know. So you were responsible for some of the, the hits that Elvis had come out with, uh, bringing I some of about 80% of them. them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any come to mind right offhand? Or? Oh, Kentucky Rain, Don't Be Cruel, pretty long last, you know. Did he, uh, did he have any favorite musicians that he really liked to work with? Well, of course, his band, of course, James Burton, those people. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Tutt, he enjoyed working with them. Nashville, he had a certain crew he liked, like Jordan and, and also, um, you know, just uh, different, uh, different uh, musicians that he liked, you know. Mm-hmm. Did, he, did he care much about recording in Nashville? I've heard comments. that no, he, he liked, liked it. it. He liked working in Nashville. He mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much... Uh, uh, what did Elvis really feel about the Sundays? Do you think that uh, he felt? He... One of the things that there were that was an initial thing, and after a while, that was it. You know, it just, he didn't dwell on it. He was not a very histrionic involved person. No. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out, and uh, Thank I, you. I do want to say you do have a video out now with you and David Stanley. Yeah, it's Legend of a Legacy or Legacy, Leg- yeah, this is, yeah, Legacy of a, No, it's Legacy of a Legend, uh, Elvis Week and uh, uh perry ward and, and david actuality did it and i was in actuality did it and i was i was on it in two or three places and uh, you know we just kind of talked about things and perry poured a tremendous amount of money in it and in fact he's going to do an 800 number on it in about uh four weeks it's going to be available nationwide and then we're going to do a tour of europe with it it's uh, it's a really he's got an hour version hour and a half version very very good tape though it's just really well done very polished that's great. If somebody wants to order that, is there a way to It'll come will an 800 number, probably in September, that'll hit the waves, so Airways around the United States. So he's going to put the whole thing where he's going to just control it and do it in an 800 situation so everybody will be able. It's one of those tapes that everybody should have because it's just very... It's a velvet week and it's really, you know, it's sort of... I think the histrionics of the, of the situation is terrific because it's got a lot of good interviews from a lot of people, you know, so... I think it's worth it, from the entertainment value of it alone. And then the histrionics, though, it's terrific, you know. Well, that's fantastic. You also have something out on Cabin Fever, you and David. There was another interview. We used to call that. David and I call them the couch tapes. You know, they are 1995 oh, or 995. I'm not sure. It's about a 30-minute tape, and it's just David and I sitting on the couch talking to each other. And a lot of people have it. It's amazing. I think it sold about 30,000, 40,000 tapes, but it's still out. It's still available. It's just interesting, you know. It's just kind of it's very, very um, extemporaneous, you know. Oh, great. I really appreciate you taking the time out, Lamar. Hey, thank you, my man. Be careful. Okay. I'm Lamar Fike, and you're not. But I'll tell you what you are doing. You're riding on the mystery train. God knows what's around the next bend. Don Wilson's mystery train.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me next time on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Remember, I can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Breaker, Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Please check out my website at www.donwilsonshollywoodbeat.com and join me here next time. Remember, keep rocking. And don't tip over.